Hi, I'm Coach John Cook, and I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Talking Hoops podcast. My guest is Tom Souter, the head boys basketball coach at Worthington Kilbourne High School. Unfortunately, during this episode, we had a couple of technical glitches with the software that we record with, and then a cell phone connection issue with Coach Souter as well. So we apologize for the difficulty in maintaining the consistency during the episode, but I think Coach Souter's story is fantastic, and I hope you enjoy our visit with Tom Souter, head boys basketball coach at Worthington Kilbourne High School. Hi, I'm Coach John Cook. Welcome to the Talking Hoops podcast. Today's episode, I am absolutely thrilled to be joined by Tom Souter. Tom is the head basketball coach at Worthington Kilbourne High School, um, and and that doesn't tell the story that I can't wait to let him tell. Um, I Coach just told me before we started recording that he's getting ready to start his 43rd year in coaching. I think it's 20 at, at, at Kilbourne, but um, if he's been in coaching 43 years, that means I've known him for, for about three-fourths of it because whether he remembers it or not, my first experience with Coach Souter was about 1987, maybe 88, I think. I was a, a camper at Allen East High School's day camp, and Coach Souter came to speak. And, and um, just one of those guys that kind of, I mean, for me, I knew then I wanted to be a coach, but I was a long way from getting that opportunity just as a high school freshman or sophomore or whatever it was. And, and, uh, a guy who then had just an ultimate positive attitude, high level energy, passionate about what he was talking about, passionate about the game in general. And, and a guy that over the last 35 years, even though we've had very little contact has really inspired me in a lot of ways. And I think his story hopefully does the same for you guys. So coach, it's a beautiful day out and I hate, hate to keep you tied to this phone for very long, but how are you doing today? I'm doing fabulous. And, and I appreciate the kind words. Well, it, it's they are sincere because, and, and you probably know this because we've had some conversations, but when I was a young guy uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do after high school and, and kind of knew pretty early on that coaching was my thing, um, I, I got connected to Dave Isle. And, you know, Dave, and, Dave is, a, is a friend that we share, and Dave was the first guy that, that really, I guess, helped me see an image of, of that's how I want to do this. And then when I got to hear you speak and that, again, that energy level and the way you connected with the kids in the gym, many of them who you didn't know, um, I just was, it reached home with me. And, and, you know, we said before we started recording that I don't care if it's 43 years or 53 years or 83 years, if guys like you stay in coaching in my book, that's a good thing. So I'm looking forward to letting you tell your story. And as a way to kind of get into this, I mean, I've shared a little bit about how I got started. What made you want to be a coach? Well, uh, my, let's see, the year after I graduated from high school, and that was a long time ago, and, and I, I graduated from full recovery in 1974, and uh, I played for my dad, who, you know, also was a, a longtime coach, and, and um, you know, they didn't have, per se, open gym and stuff like that back then. But they started a summer league uh, for high school kids uh, over in the Salina Fieldhouse. And the, the high school coaches weren't allowed to coach the teams. And, um, you know, I was my first year in college. I was I went pre-med. And, uh, you know, I thought I was going to be the, the doctor that, that saved everybody. And, and uh, but that that's that 
first summer following my uh, freshman year in college, uh, dad asked me to coach the summer league team. And it just clicked. Uh, I had an absolute blast. And uh, Bill Axe um, was, was the coach at Minster, I believe, at that point in time. And he and my dad and, and a lot of those guys, Fran Gilbo, uh, St. Henry, and, and those guys sat up in the stands. And, and I don't know if, if I noticed them just sitting up at a checkpoint or whatever, but but driving home with my dad after well, one of the, the final nights, He's like, uh, you're, you're really enjoying aren't you? And I said, Dad, this has been an absolute blast. And, you know, at that point in time, he said, well, he said, son, find something that you'll do for free. And then if they pay you, it's going to make it that much different and that much better. And I thought about that. And when I went back to school that fall, uh, I said, well, you know what? I guess I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm, I'm going to be a, a math teacher and a, and a high school basketball coach. And from then on, it was that that was my focus on, um, you know, wanting wanting to be the best basketball coach that I could be. And, and I wasn't a great player by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, I just loved to play. I loved the game. I loved knowing things about the game, and and so. You know, I guess the rest is, and, and I was very, very fortunate to, to get my first job. Um, you know, I graduated from from, from Bluffton uh, in 1978. I'd done my student teaching under Brian Carrick and Charlie Cotterman. Charlie Cotterman at that time was the, he kept the scorebook for uh, Elida forever, and he drove the team bus forever yeah and brian carrick and he uh, were were the supervising teacher my supervising teachers and brian got the head coaching job while i was doing student teaching under him and he's like would you be interested in in maybe being my jv coach and i'm like okay <laughs> and whatever he goes well we don't have a position yet but if we pass this levy, we'll have we're going to get another math teacher, and and uh, you'll have a job um, if that's something that you want to do. So I did, you know, I went door to door passing out flyers <laughs> to, to vote for, to vote for the levy <laughs> in, in in Elida, and uh, you know the the levy passed. Um, I, I, I became the JV coach. Now the other thing I also did the first few years. Um, I coached junior high football, and, and that's a guy who, who his high school, where I went to high school for recovery at that time, didn't even have football. Right. And so my football knowledge was very limited. And, and you know, at that time, Jim Valley was the football coach at Elida. He goes, you don't have to need, know a whole lot of football. He goes, you need to know a little, and you need to know a lot. And, uh, you know, that, that, that also kind of stuck with me uh and and then i coached track and you know I, i'm an indoor guy you know if, if hey, man. you know 
some some nights it rains some in the spring in those track meets it, it's cold and it's rainy and, and i was like hey you know what i'm gonna stick with that indoor stuff it's always 72 and sunny in that gym every day <laughs> yes sir i so, feel you I, I i was very very lucky and and you know the other thing is and, and i had a tougher decision because uh that that's a, the same year my dad left for recovery and went to paulding and there was a uh junior high opening out at oakwood in paulding too and dad had asked me if i was interested in, in being um his eighth grade coach out there in, in oakwood and so that was one of those where i was like oh man a chance to coach with my dad uh you know somebody who uh, you know instilled the love of the game for me who kind of lit my coaching fire and who, you know, even even to this day, I I try and to be the the man that that he is. I mean, he's he's ninety one right now, and, and uh, you know. Well, coach, I, I didn't I didn't actually have this as a as a topic to discuss, but you you may not remember this because it's probably been twenty years ago. Um, and hell, it's probably been a little more than that. Um, one year at the state tournament, I got to sit with you and your dad. Yep. Uh, on just off the aisle there for, for just a handful of games. But I know the state tournament, for as long as I've known you and, and been able to attend the tournament too, it's been a big event for you and your dad to get to oh. do together. And yep. I saw you, obviously not this year, last year at the state tournament, and you were, you know, you had to run your mom and dad home, I think, at, between days of the state yep. tournament at one point. But Yep. Talk, talk just briefly, if you would, a little bit, because your dad is advanced in age and he's had the influence on you he's had. How tough was it not getting to do that this year? Well, I, I don't know physically that that mom and dad would have been able to 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 do that. Um, you know, last year when, when we tried it, um, you know, it was one of those, you know, they they the stairs are, are a tough thing to negotiate. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, probably the, the previous five or so years, they, they were fine with it, but we just had to take the, take our time. And, but, you know, they would come here and stay. And um, the, the last time they came and stayed, uh, we put a bed in our living room and, and we've got a, a half bath on, on our first floor. Our, our, our full bathrooms are upstairs. And, and it was one of those where we didn't want them worrying about navigating any stairs so we put a bed uh queen size bed down in our, our living room for him and uh you know my sisters were all like and then my brother hey you know good luck be careful you know and i'm like yeah <laughs> yeah um, but but last year we decided a, a year ago we decided it's like okay um we'll come you know i'll come get you and we'll try to see how it goes. Um, and so we stopped. Uh, I drove to Fort Carey, picked him up, came back here, stopped at the house, and got a little lunch. And, and then we we went down to the shot. We got in, and uh, I mean, it, it, with with the whole Alzheimer's thing, you know, Dad has his good days and his bad. Right. And, I mean, from the minute we walked in there, he was 
like on. It was like, wow, we are going to have a special day. That's awesome. That's just absolutely awesome. And just seeing him on and, and mom reacting the way, you know, that's, that's a very, very special moment no uh, kidding. for us. And, uh, but yeah, th- this was going to be touch and go this year. And, and I, I, you know, I, I feel bad for the kids that, that, that didn't get to participate there. Um, it's, you know, as a ninth grader, um, I got to sit at the end of the bench uh, when dad's team won the state championship. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, my guess is from 1963 when, when dad took the full recovery job till a year ago, I don't, he and my mom would come down and spend the week weekend and they would go to every single game. You can't beat that, man. That, that's 50-plus years of, of oh, just building memories. Uh, that's great stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. great and stuff. So it's, it's, a, it's a special time. And, then you know, sitting there, you know, a lot of people leave before the trophy presentations and stuff like that. And But, you know, for, for me to be able to stand there and, and uh, just watch my father and my mom kind of, you know, look out there and, and know that they've been there. Pretty special. No kidding. Special. No kidding. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with, with me and with, with the people that are going to choose to listen to this podcast because that, that's the relationships are all of it to me and the people that inspire us. You know, my dad wasn't a coach, but my dad was there for the handful of big moments that I got to experience as a coach. And um, I can guarantee you nobody in the building was prouder than my dad. Yeah. On even the smallest things that oh, that, yeah. that, that turned Absolutely. out to be a big deal. And and I'm glad you get to, to share that with your father. And and uh, I hope that that, uh, that that things go well for him going forward. And but you you opted at the time that you had the decision to take that that JV job over coaching eighth grade with your dad. How much of that had to do with maybe just wanting to be away from home or maybe just the opportunity to be a little closer to the varsity level right away? What was the kind of the decisive thing for you? Well, and, and, you know, it, it was one of those things where, uh, you know, I, I sat down with dad and, and uh, he goes, he's the one. I mean, he's like, hey, he goes, you want to be a head coach, don't you? He said, you want to take the, the, the long route and it may take a whole lot of years or, you know, that JV level, the, the, the next spot is either varsity assistant or, or a head coach. And, uh, you know. He said, and, and a funny story about uh, um, the year before my senior year in college that kind of helped in that decision. Uh, we had a game at Earlham, and uh, the assistant coach got snowed in and couldn't make the game. <laughs> and so uh, Denny Recker, um, who was our coach at that time, Denny, then went on and was the uh, superintendent of schools at, at Liberty Benton. Yeah. And uh, just a, a, another great man. Uh, he asked me before the game, he said, Tom, my assistant coach can't be here tonight. You know that. <laughs> he said, I, I know you want to play because that's who you are. 
He said, but I think you would serve our team better tonight if you sat beside me and helped me as, as the assistant coach in, in coaching the game. And I'm like, I just want to play. He goes, <laughs> he goes, I get that. He said, but but I need you here helping me tonight. I said, you got it. And, and you know, that that was that kind of opened my eyes up a little bit to just, you know, as a player, you, you know, you focus on your position as a coach, you focus on everybody's position. And, you know, the, the guys that I played with were, uh, you know, and, you know, I played with Danny Thompson and, and Charlie Stapleton and uh, Rich Metterholzer, you know, all, all all guys that, that, you know, Hall of Fame guys at, at Bluffton College and, and just being able to focus on all of them and then substituting, you know, giving substitution suggestions and, and defense and offensive changes. And, you know, it's like, wow, that's kind of a, a really, really thing. And so, you know, that, Dad was like, "Hey, you're going to be way better off, and you're going to get a much of a, a quicker start than at Elida than you are at Oakwood." And, and he said, "Maybe sometime we'll get a coach against each other." Mm-hmm. So that's that's for a little further down the conversation, but but yep, no, that's that's why I chose Elida, and and you know, Brian Brian Carrick and was, was very very good to me. He was. Uh, you know, the people at Elida uh, kind of took me under their wing and, and uh, you know, it, I was young and single and, and, and dumb and, and uh, you know, they, they fed me and, and helped me along the way. And, and so my two years there at Elida were, <coughs> excuse me, they were, they were big. They were, they were key. They, they helped me grow up a little bit. So was it just the two years? And then you were able to become a head coach. Yes. Um, after after my two years um, at Elida, uh, Ed Brazen stepped down at Allen East, and and another another great man who um, you know I would see every year at the state tournament uh, to this day, and and he and he and my dad became you know fast friends, and and. Um, but Ed stepped down, and um, I, I didn't know this, but at that point in time, um, somebody had contacted my dad and said, hey, uh, do you think Tom's ready to be a head coach? And, you know, of course, you know, when, when you're young and, and know everything, like we all do. <laughs> yes, sir. You know, I was like, "Oh man, let's go! That'd be, you know, that's that's easy." But uh, they called, they called my dad and asked if, if he thought I was ready to be a head coach. And, and after the fact, after I got the job, he said, "I told him you were ready two years ago." So, <laughs> I, I uh, used to, I used to tell young coaches I had a JV coach. I was only at Jackson Center two years, but the first year at Jackson Center, my JV coach was brand new, right out of college, had a great playing career at Worcester, and. And, and he didn't he didn't really enjoy being an assistant very well. And and he applied for a, a head coaching job or was going to that spring. And he came to me and he said, 
you, you think I'm ready to be a head coach? And I said, yeah, you're ready. He said, really? I said, well, you don't like being an assistant and you want to be in coaching. So I said, you're ready to be a head coach. I, I said, I don't have any idea if you're prepared, but I think you're ready. <laughs> That's a pretty good analogy. You know, we're always, we're always ready, but are we prepared? Yeah. So you, you, you make the jump over to Allen East with that, would that have been 80, 81? That would have been 80, 81. Yep. So and, go ahead. Go talk, ahead. talk about your Allen East experience. Cause I know there was a, I think what started about that time, there was actually a fair amount of consistency at Allen East over the next 10 or 12 years. When you consider it was only maybe two head coaches, they, they've had a lot more turnover than that. In the you know, my first year, uh, you know, very, very fortunate. Um, you know, Keith Klein was, was a, a, a talented kid. He was a big kid, um, could run, could, could do a lot of different things. And, and, uh, I'm like, oh man, you know, you come in with a with a good big kid, and and then uh, Dave Waldemeyer, John Fetter, and, and Barry Johnson, and those guys. I'm, uh, you know, it, it was like, oh, man, this is this, this is an easy thing, and uh, you know, so I was like, okay, well, you know, I I think I can do that, um, but uh, actually, you know. I was at Allen East for only three years. Okay. Um, um, but, but the first year uh, in, in Allen East and Paulding um, are in the same conference. Yep. Uh, I believe they still are in the, in the Northwest Conference. Well, they were until this spring. I believe it was announced this spring that Paulding will be leaving the Northwest Conference um, after a lot of years. But they had been in the same league until well, yes. they played this year in the same conference. But I believe – Actually, I believe it's next year. They still will be the following year. The change is going to happen. Okay. Okay. But that's a, that's a long bus ride from, from West Lafayette to, to Paulding, Ohio. It's that's, that's one where if you can fall asleep, you pack your pillow and then, then you wake the guys up, uh, you know, as you hit band work so they don't sleep all the way there. That was a, I had a football coach when I got the job at eight, our football coach told me, he said, Paulding is a two towel trip. I said, he said, (laughs) You, you, he said, your JV guys are going to be sacrificial lambs. They're going to get killed. But he said, you make your varsity guys shower while the JVs are warming up. He said, get them, get them awake when you get to polling. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's a great call. That's a great call. But no, and, and you know, the, the, the people in Allen East, again, uh, those are very, very fond memories because uh, the, the kids just – you know, the, and, and this year, I mean, the, just this past season, uh, Brian Schick um, was was another one of our, our really talented kids and, and just unbelievable work ethic. You know, Brian and I to see um, one of our games, uh, you know, about, about this year and, and – you know, it, it just—it's like, hey, dude, if you got—if you brought your sneakers, I might throw you in. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure you got—I'm sure you got a little bit left in you. You I did, said, and, and I know you'll fight them because you were a fighter. Those were the first teams I remember watching. I would have been about 10, 11, 12 years old ish uh, in, in that time frame, and you didn't have to start Brian Schick's motor for him. I know that. I no, man, did no. he. It, it, any of those kids, Randy Woods, Francis Truex, um, 
you know, uh, Tommy Shade, Dan Sloan, um, David Moritz. Yes, sir. You know, David Moritz, uh, you know, I, I still see him every year at the state tournament. And, you know, it's, it's like you, you look at when you, when I look back at pictures and it's like, by God, these kids gave us everything they had because Ray Perkins, you know, they couldn't have been 125 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, you know, they just, they just gave it all. And, and practice every day was a blast. Um, you know, they, they just, they got after you. Uh, and, and we happened to play, you know, obviously dad was appalling then we played them three times. Um, and you know, the first year, uh, Paulding was riding. I mean, they were, they might've been in first place in the league and had a chance to clinch when they came to, to Allen East. And, um, we, we beat them uh, that year uh, just because of a pure heart and, and, and work ethic from the kids. Uh, the second year we went up to, to Paulding and before the game, dad put his arm around me and said, Hey, take it easy on me. Uh, this year's <laughs> and then proceeded to thump us by about 17. <laughs> And after the game, I was so mad. I said, don't you ever do that to me again. I said, don't put your arm around me and tell me to take it easy and then put a beating on us like that. Uh, and and then the third year, um, it was back at Allen East. And, and uh, again, Paulding was right there at the top. And we were somewhere in the middle. And, and uh, I'll, I'll never forget. It's one. It's uh, one of the most valuable lessons I ever learned in coaching because um, you know the gym was loud, people couldn't hear us. It was back and forth and back and forth. And Paulie had the ball, tie score. Um, if if they score, um, you know they go up. Um, so you know we're defending, we're defending. They take a shot, and Ray Perkins. And, and I, yeah, I mean, I can see this play as, as you know, clear as day. You know, the ball bounces to Ray out on the uh, right wing. He picks it up, and there's about seven seconds to go, and the place is going crazy, and nobody can hear. And I'm screaming, timeout, timeout, and, and nobody hears me. Ray dribbles the ball down the floor, pulls up. Barry's about a 16-foot jumper, and and the Mustangs win, and and uh, everybody. It's like, man, that was a great call. You know, not calling timeout and letting Ray go. <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, you got it, you got it wrong there. I said, Ray made a great play, and, and Coach Souter was screaming timeout, and I'm just happy that he didn't hear me. <laughs> oh shoot. Those are, and you know, the funny thing is, I can remember, like I said, I just started to get into watching. I can remember the outcomes of some of those games. I wasn't at a lot of them, but family, friends, and playing in the same league. I went to high school at Upper Soda Valley, and so I was around a lot of those those people. And then I, I coached at Allen East, you know, 30 years later, the 2013-2014 season. I was the coach at Allen East, and yep. Ray's brother was on my coaching staff. Ray's nephew played on the team. And, and you know, it's interesting because they have had a lot of turnover in their coaching position there but 
like a lot of the small communities in Northwest Ohio, they're just, they're really passionate about what their, what their kids are doing and what their teams are doing. And, um, hopefully they get to have some success soon because I, when when they have success, it's really a great place to be. It really is. Yeah. And and, I mean, you know, when I was there, Bill Goodman was the football coach and and principal. And, and I mean, there wasn't a, a finer, you know, Bill, the bill was unbelievable. Uh, talked me into coaching football one year. Uh, I think it might have been my second year, and I said, "Well, your quarterback's probably going to be my best player, <laughs> and and your running back, my second best player, and and your receiver's probably my third best player." I said, "How about if we work out a deal? If if uh, before practice, when you do some of those ball handling drills with the footballs, how about if I bring out basketballs and do that with those guys? That way." <laughs> we can we can keep a basketball in their hands too he goes well he says i think we can work that out i said now what's going to be my responsibility to coach football he said you're going to be on the the sideline he said you know during practice you know we'll have stuff for you and, and he said but on game nights when i need to talk to a guy you get their attention and then I'll tell them what they need to do. So I, I was I was the guy that, that delivered the kid down to Bill, and, and then Bill took it from there. So I didn't have a lot of responsibility on, on the football field. But, but I, and and that that year uh, we won the Northwest Conference, and and uh, I said, Bill, I'm going to retire a conference champion from from the, from the football world. So great decision on your part, I think for sure. Yeah. You're spot on about Bill, though. I don't, I'm, in my time in education, they've not made many better than him to, to no. as a guy that could influence young people. I mean, young people, I mean, students and young staff. I mean, I think Bill's just as, as good as it gets. So you ultimately end up leaving Allen East, and, and I think your coaching career starts to take some pretty interesting turns after that. Well, yeah, and, and it was funny. And um, I, I had a, a, uh, a student teacher. Uh, let's see, would have been, might have been my third year there, second or third, I'm not sure, uh, by the name of Dave Isle. And uh, Dave was going to Ohio Northern and playing at Ohio Northern, and Dave was a heck of a player and, and uh, just an unbelievable human being. Uh, Dave, such a good man. Um, and, and, Dave is from the uh, Hamilton area. Went to Hamilton Baden. Uh, the 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 Isle Boys all played at Hamilton Baden. They are legends down there. And, and um, Dave let me. He said, "Hey, there's a Division One school uh, just north of Hamilton that that is looking for a, a basketball coach and a and a math teacher." And I mean, I didn't know buddy. I didn't know anybody down in that part of the state, uh, but applied for the position thinking, okay, you know, it's a division one school and, and it, it puts me in a different part of the state. And, and uh, let's see, you know, I, I, I ended up getting the job at Edgewood and during, during my years at Elida, during my years at Allen East, I, I think a lot of us young coaches can, can thank, uh, uh, Gail Doherty, Joe Campoli, and, and you know the the other guys that that would come work their camp at Ohio Northern because that's where a lot of us grew up and that's where a lot of us 
um, learned learned a lot of our craft and, and learned our basketball because you know you you were thrown out there in, in the parking lot of, of Kinghorn. <laughs> yep. If you were lucky enough to get an inside basket once you've been there a few years, uh, you know, we just, that's what we did. We had camp all day long. We'd play at night and then we'd sit around at night and, and talk basketball. And, you know, guys like Raleigh Massimino would come and speak to camp and then it would stick around at night and, and talk basketball with us. And, you know, for, for young guys like us, oh my God. It was it was unbelievable, and and um, you know so you know another guy that, that we used to go work work his camp Dave Bumgarner over in Richmond, Indiana. You know, Dick was the guy that invented the sure shot basketball, right? Um, and and that's kind of it's like you know, okay, you knew how to shoot, but how do you teach shooting? And and so those are I mean again going to work those camps and, and that kind of stuff was uh, just very influential, very invaluable. And, and, and like I said, just talking to, to, to guys at, at night about basketball. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, I started doing more and more of that um, as I, um, you know, in the summertime, I, you know, we, we worked guys eight, eight weeks in the summer. And, you know, that's back when camps started Sunday afternoon or evening and, and ended, um, you know, Thursday afternoon or, or Friday morning. And you went home, you did your laundry and you headed out to your next place. Uh, it, it's, it's a, it's an experience nobody gets to have anymore. And it's really too bad for young coaches. Cause I mean, I, mine was just at Northern, but I, I did that five or six weeks every summer and same thing. You'd have enough time to go home, do your laundry, come back to a dorm room and, and I look back on my first days working camp as a, as a kid right out of high school, coming to school at Northern and realizing that there were head coaches and varsity assistants and JV coaches there and college coaches coming to speak and just getting to sit in a meeting room and, and be a part of those conversations. And then if you go work a camp today, if you're lucky to find a camp on a college campus, every coach at the camp is a player at the, at the school. Right. And, and so right. And it's not that there's not value in having those young kids do that, but it's, they're not getting to be a part of hearing the things that, that you just talked about and really kind of formulating a, a, an idea of what it means to be a coach from really, really good coaches. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, you know, that, that's why I said, I, you know, I, I think that the timing of, you know, when, when I started coaching and, and being able to, to go and work those camps and, and, you know, when I, when I went to Edgewood, uh, you know, after my three years down east, I, I connected with uh, a gentleman by the name of Stan Kellner, uh, um, and, and he was the, the yes, I can basketball uh, yep. guy. And uh, I traveled all over the country with him. I mean, we, we did a camp out in Santa Barbara uh, for, the ju- for, for the junior superstars, and, and one of the the young kids at, at that camp was with Tyus Edney, uh, wow. who, who played at UCLA. And, you know, that was kind of, you know, one of my first exposures to um, unbelievably talented kids uh, in, in basketball. And then to give them the formula of the, the yes, I can basketball stuff. You know, that, that was even, even more fun. And, 
Um, you know, we, we did Mitch Kupchak's camp in, in Fordham. Um, we would go to Syracuse. We would go to West Point. Um, we did five star with, 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 uh, you know, Garth, who is, is a legend in our game. And, um, you know, the, the stories of, of coaches and campers and stuff like that at, at five star, you know, it's like, you know, you really got exposed to, some really high level coaches and some really high level players. And, and, you know, you, you're watching, you know, Rick Pitino and, and Cal Perry as young guys, you know, out there sweating in the sun, the same as you are. And you're going, wow, you know, this is pretty, this is pretty cool stuff. So is that, how, is that how the door got open for you to eventually work toward college coaching? No, actually, the the uh, well, the, the door got open because of, of working camp and of the the friendship that I built with uh, Randy Ayers. Okay. Um, um, actually, Randy and I knew of each other uh, in high school. We graduated the the same year, and, and obviously, Randy went on and, and played at Miami, but. Um, you know, Randy and I had known each other for a long time. And, and again, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think what year it was, uh, 87, it would have been, let's see, 87, 88 was my last year at, at Edgewood and the summer before that season, um, school year, um, Randy had. Uh, Dad had worked at at Ohio State's camp before I did, and Randy had said something to Dad. It's like, hey, do you think Tom might be interested uh, in in being a a GA? Um, And Dad's like, you mean a a chance to coach under Jerry Williams with you and and the guys on on staff at that point in time? He said, do you think my son wouldn't be interested? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, um, and, and so then, you know, Randy kind of threw it out there and, and uh, we went through the, the summer uh, because uh, Dave Gavitt's son, Danny, was also kind of going back and forth, interested, uh, had some other opportunities. And, and then uh, after school started, um Donna up with with Coach Williams and and um, you know he's like well you know it's between a couple of guys and, and he said you know we'll get back with you as soon as we can and, and um, school has started and he called and said well Tom do you want the job I said do you when do you want me there tomorrow or the next day and he said. He said, well, you know, you've got some, you know, school started down there, so you're going to have to tie up some loose ends and, and get here as soon as you can. So the next day I, I went into our superintendent, who was uh, Dr. Billy Bishop at the time, and I said, uh, Dr. Bishop, I'm, I'm going to tender my resignation um, effective Friday. And he's like, well, you can't do that. I said, I said, you, you know, I, I love your kids here. I, I love my time here, but this is an opportunity for me to, to coach at Ohio State. And I said, 
I, I've got to take this. Uh, you know, not a lot of guys get that opportunity. Uh, and and I said, so I've got to, I, I've got to, I've got to do this. And he says, well, how am I going to replace a, a head basketball coach and, and a math teacher after school's already started? I said, Mr. Bishop, that's not my problem. That's problem. <laughs> and so, so I kind of left his office, and unbeknownst to me, um, he called uh, Mr. Jim Jones, who was the athletic director at Ohio State. Yeah. And kind of reading the the riot act, and uh, kind of was like, you know, what, what kind of program are you running? You're 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 taking you know teachers and and head coaches away from the school. You know, after the school year's already already started, you put us in a tough position. Um. So the the, the next day, um. Gary said, I don't know. He said, but, but you you must walk on water down there or something. I said, well, <laughs> definitely not. He said, but he said, your superintendent called my boss and said, hey, you know, this isn't a very good uh, public relations move. And so what Gary told me, he says, so let's let's keep this between us. I'll keep this position for you. I may need you to do some scouting this year. But as soon as school's out in, in the spring, he said, we'll, we'll get you going. We'll start you off with camp, and, and you'll get to know the lay of the land here during the summer, next summer. And, and then when the kids come on campus in the fall, he said, we'll be ready to go. And uh, I'm like, you, you'll hold that job for me for a year. He goes, absolutely. And uh, he did. And, and, you know, talk about, you know, grateful. Um, I mean, he didn't have to do that. He could have got anybody to, to jump in that spot. But uh, I was very, very fortunate that, that he held that spot. And as soon as school was out that following year, um, I went to Columbus. And, and uh, boy, un, an unbelievable run. Yeah, your, your, your first year full-time in Columbus was 89, 90? 88, 89. 88, 89. Okay. Uh, Jay Burson uh, was a senior. Uh, Jerry Francis, uh, Tony White, um, uh, Perry Perry was there already. Yeah. Yep. Carter. Um, Hobson had just graduated. Is that right? Yep. yep. Hobson and, and Curtis Wilson had just graduated. Yeah. Um, and and so that that was my first year. Um, at Ohio State, and and yeah, you know, the the other side note to that, um, my dad retired from coaching, um, and teaching in in at the end of the eighty seven to eighty eight school year, and it was like, oh my god, you know, he's done this for thirty five years. What's he going to do? <laughs> right. Well, over over the next four years that, that I spent at Ohio State, he and he and my mom saw us play uh, ninety two of our total games that we played over the course of those four years. Wow, that's incredible! Oh, uh, it, you know, and again, um, you know, you, you you think back at, at what an unbelievable thing to be able to share 
with with my parents um you know you know my first our first game um was an exhibition game um we we played the soviet team who had just uh i believe it's been a while but I believe they had either just won the Olympics or finished second. Yep. And we played them in our first exhibition game. And, and as they're playing the national anthem and I'm looking across St. John arena and, and I, I see my parents standing with their hands on their heart right above the scoreboard. One of those lower scoreboards in, in St. John arena, uh, it, you know, that, that, memory still gives me goosebumps uh, it's got to it's got to now were you were you on the bench then at ohio state when they lost to michigan in the elite eight in would that have been 92 right in lexington yep yeah that was uh um that to this day may have been one of the most crushing heartfelt uh defeats you know, because to see a, a bunch of, of guys that had worked as hard as they had worked and achieved at the level that they had achieved and to fall short of, and, and I believe, I still believe that year we were still the best team in the country. I agree a thousand percent. I absolutely uh, think so too. But, but to, uh, to get beat and, and actually that year, um, you know, I, I, I joke around with people at times. It's like, yeah, I coached in the final five <laughs> yeah. um, um, because we were the last, the last game of the day, right? Uh, down, down in Rupp Arena, and, and uh, uh, we all were watching the game the day before. Uh, that was the day of the Leitner shot, right? Yep, and, and we were in Lexington. And when when Leitner's shot went in, where we were watching the game, it went totally silent. <laughs> People paid their bill, and within probably ten minutes, the place was basically empty. Wow, that's that's uh, an unreal story. <laughs> that was crazy. And then, obviously, the next day, uh, you know, we got beaten over time by the the Fab Five, and and. Uh, you know, people were like, well, how do you feel about Michigan? And, uh, you know, hey, those guys were really talented. And, and you know, they, they have changed some things in our game. Um, but, you know, I have a hard time uh, rooting for Michigan because of that. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine so. I can imagine so. I think there's a lot of people that felt that way beforehand. And it all it did was cement things for them. After that happened, I tell you what, it yeah. says a lot about me. I was I was just about halfway through college. I had that game on a VHS tape. I bet I watched that game 30 times over the next five or six years. I just have a free couple of hours sitting around doing nothing on a on a Sunday or I'd be by myself hanging out and I would pop that tape in. And it's funny to say this because nobody's going to remember this. But the last play of the game, I think the buck, you guys went four flat and Jimmy had the ball. And they kind of ran a late double toward him, and he made the right decision. He was about to find Funderburk for a dunk, but the pass got deflected. Yep. And, and and that deflection is that they couldn't find a good shot after that. I, he made the right read, 
I think Jalen Rose or somebody got a hand on the pass or because they were cheating out to the corner and, and Thunderwork was slipping wide open. He was going to dunk it. Yep. And, and, and that was the end of, of overtime. Right. Uh, as, at the end of regulation, um, you know, Chris, yeah, Chris had that about five foot baseline jump, one <laughs> yeah. of the hardest shots, in, one of the hardest shots in the game. And it kind of boom, boom, boom and bounced out. Yep. And, and, and uh, you know, and, and with Chris and, and, you know, Chris has gone on to do some unbelievable things in coaching himself. And as a player, I mean, you know, got a championship ring with the Rockets. and mm-hmm. But uh, he uh, um, got, you know, with what he poured his heart and soul and, and all those guys did. I mean. Uh, you know, Bake and Jamal and Lawrence and 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 all those guys, Doug and, and yep. Alex Davis and, and I mean, we we still um, get together and just laugh and I mean, I'll I'll hear a different story from a different place every time we get together. And I just you know I just shake my head and I'm I'm just so fortunate to have been able to share um to share in that um you know the some of the games in St. John Arena the 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 Louisville game the oh man the Indiana triple overtime game yep i mean you know those were it was so loud in St. John Arena that you didn't talk in the huddle you wrote on the dry erase board Oh man, you're you're bringing back a lot of great memories for me as a kid, yeah. man. Because as a college student, that was a great time to be an Ohio State fan. And unfortunately, we're going to hit our break now. And um, when we come back from the break, like we have said so often on this podcast, all good things must come to an end. And your time in Columbus <laughs> had to come to an end. And then you journeyed uh, a little bit further before you made your way back to high school. So when we come back from the break, we'll get into that. Okay. Welcome back to the Talking Hoops podcast. I'm your host, Coach John Cook. My guest is Tom Souter. And before the break, we had kind of gotten into a, a pretty detailed discussion and a great trip down memory lane for me of Coach Souter's experience as an assistant at Ohio State uh, between 88 and 92. Unfortunately, the 92 season ends with a loss in the Elite Eight in overtime uh, to the, the Michigan Fab Five. And that's all we're going to say about that. We're going to move forward. So, <laughs> The end of your time at Ohio State comes in 92. Talk about your next step in the journey. And as you go through this, just ultimately what the college experience taught you and, and maybe what it, how it impacted you as you came back to the high school game. Well, and, and you know, the, the four years at Ohio State, obviously Gary was – Gary Williams was there the, my first year, and then um, Gary left um, and, and took the Maryland job. And Randy got hired, and, and so um, Paul Brazo, myself, um, stayed with Randy. Um, and, you know, at, at one point in time at the end of that year, we all thought we were going to be assistant coaches at Kansas. Uh, and then we thought we were all going to be assistant coaches at Maryland. And then Randy gets the job, so we stay. And, and I mean, Randy was – Randy and Gary were unbelievable. Um, I mean, to this day, I, I actually 
Gary Williams' grandson uh, is in our program. Uh, oh, that's great. Uh, and and so Gary comes back, and and Gary actually came back and spoke to our our senior class, and he's like, I you know, I knew Coach, and of course. All, all the kids got a big chuckle out of that, but you know, it, it's the, the whole process of, of uh, the, the education of, of coaching and, and the education of coaching at the, at the college level. And Randy always is like, Hey, um, do you want to stay in this? You, you've got to be able to get a full-time job and, you know, full-time recruiting position. And because at Ohio state, I, I was not one of the, the full-time recruiting guys. Um, and so Paul Brazo had gotten, Paul was one of, you know, Randy's right-hand guy. And Paul got the job at, at the University of Hartford in Connecticut. And Paul asked me to, to go with him. And so I, I talked to Randy and Randy's like, you know, hey, I really want you to stay, but you're still not going to be one of the recruiting position. I, you know, Randy and I went back and forth and, and he's, he. It's like, you know, I get that, that you're going to be one of the, the recruiting assistants uh, with Paul, but, he, you know, it's like, I, I kind of need you here. I said, Randy, I, I, I got to go do this. And, and uh, Randy was great about it. And, and we still joke about it to this day. And, you know, no matter whenever we talk about 30 minutes into the conversation, I said, you know what? Dude, you should have you, you made me one of the full-time guys because things fell apart when we left. <laughs> <laughs> and and if I got us out or just shut up. Hey, there's a little bit of truth in every jest, Tom. Don't forget that. <laughs> uh, Randy, I tell you what, I you know, oh, I, I can't tell you the, the kind of human being he is and, and those guys. And, yeah. and, and so I, I, I did. I, I went with Paul. I, I never... Uh, lived outside the state of Ohio my entire life, and, and so I'm, I'm moving to Connecticut. Um, and I knew no one in the state of Connecticut. I didn't know a high school coach. Uh, but when you come from Ohio State and you walk into a gym and they know that you coached at Ohio State, uh, that, that Ohio State name carries a lot of clout. And I, I learned that immediately. Um, and, and the six years that, that I spent, um, at the university of Hartford, again, I was, I was blessed. Um, you know, I, I worked, you know, Paul was the head coach. I Stan, uh, Manson and I, and Stan played on, on a final four team, uh, with Rutgers, mm-hmm. uh, Stan, Stan and I, uh, were the two full time guys in, in Christmas object. Uh, was the uh, the part time guy and, and it, again great great people. Uh, yeah, I, I had been so blessed to be able to have have worked with, with great people and and uh, so we we spent six years there. Um, jumped in and, and loved the recruiting piece. Um, you know, I w- was one of the early guys that that recruited guys out of out of Canada um, and because that's right when Canada started exploding as far as basketball wise and for us as a smaller uh, you know low major or what you know, I don't know how they classified anymore but 
uh, you, you had to find guys that people didn't know about. And uh, we, we were fortunate there. And, and again, you know, at Ohio State, coaching the, the, the guys that, you know, the, the Jimmy Jacksons, the Chris Gents, the, the Mark Bakers, the Lawrence Funderburks, you know, those guys, being able to be around those guys and, and coach them. Well, our first year at, at the University of Hartford, we coached a kid by the name of mm-hmm. Benny Baker. Yep. <laughs> and, and, you know, again, you know, there's no, you know, Benny was 6'11 and, and was our best three point shooter and, and was the first one in the gym and the last one to leave. And, and, you know, it's like those, those guys that make it at that level. There, there's no secret why they're successful. Yeah, and Baker's interesting to me, Coach, because I think if he'd have come along 15 years later, uh, he he would have been that stretch four kind of – He, I mean, he obviously had a lot of things in his life that, that were struggles for him, but as far as his playing career, he had a very good playing career that probably would have been lengthened if he came along 10, 12 years later when the game was started to change. Yes, uh, and, and, you know, like I said <laughs> – and, and, and I see this, uh, you know, you, you see it a lot. You know, you, you've got a, you know, 22-year-old kid who now has millions of dollars at, at his disposal. And if they, you know, if you don't have the right people around you, it's, it's hard. It's, and, and lots of free time. Yeah. And, and you know, that was you know, that's one of the things that I respected so much about Gary and Randy and, and Paul. It's like, you know, you try to educate the guys about what's next, how to handle what's next, you know, when they do throw that at you. And, and, you know, that's why I have so much respect for Jimmy because, you know, I mean, Jimmy, gosh, whoa, what a success story and everything that he touches. And, and, uh, just an, an unbelievable kid. He's not a kid anymore, but, but <laughs> um, you know, the, the, those those success had a blast. Um, and, and you know, at the end of our sixth year there, I had no no intent. I, I wasn't looking for a job. Uh, I thought we were going to have a really good team coming back, um, but. Through Randy, um, I've met Butch Carter and got a chance to, to spend some time with, with Butch Carter um, when, when it, early in his coaching career. And uh, after my sixth year that spring, um, Butch called me. He says, Tom, I, I've got the perfect job for you. Uh, they've got a, a young head coach um, and, and who's got a chance to do some special things uh, and, and then that would allow you to, if, if he leaves, you could go with him or you would have an opportunity to, to, to become the head coach. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, uh, you know, no, oh, I lost you there for a second, Tom. I apologize for that brief technical glitch on our end, but when we uh, lost contact there for a second, Coach, you were talking about 98-99, getting a, a phone call from Butch Carter, having a, maybe another job opportunity uh, away from Hartford. 
Yes, and, and uh, Scott Perry uh, was the uh, head coach at, at Eastern Kentucky, and Scott called me and he said, hey, my, my friend Butch Carter says I need to hire you. <laughs> said, well, don't believe everything Butch tells you, but uh, but uh, I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm somewhat interested. I said, I've got a good job here. You know, I'm in a good place, but I'm, I'm willing to listen, man. So uh, I flew down to Richmond, Kentucky, and, and uh, you know, Scott's a, a former uh, Michigan assistant um, in the days of Tractor Trailer and uh, Lewis Bullock and those guys. And uh, it's like, you know, Michigan, working for a Michigan guy. <laughs> but, but now Scott... Uh, high energy, good guy. And so, uh, and, and had recruited a bunch of good young kids, um, the year before. And so I'm like, okay, this looks like a, this could be a pretty good opportunity. Plus it's, you know, Connecticut's about 11 hours from, uh, family and, uh, Richmond, Kentucky is about three and a half to four. So, uh, it, it was the chance when we did end up moving. She was about we we moved uh, about the middle of August, and she was about seven and a half months pregnant with my daughter and the two year old son. So, uh, needless to say, she wasn't real thrilled with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, if you're gonna be in this profession, you got to have somebody who's supportive and and. Who, who shares your your passion a little bit? So uh, we, we we made the trip to, to Richmond, Kentucky, and and again, um, just a, a, another learning environment, another great thing with with a different set of of things that you got to figure out. And uh, you know, I I think unfortunately there, I mean, we had some great young kids. Um, but after my second year there, uh, Scott had one more year left on his contract and, and went in and asked if, uh, they would, um, you know, renew it for, you know, another two or whatever. And, and they said no. And so Scott said, well, if, if you're not going to renew my contract, if you don't have that kind of faith in me that, that we've got this thing kind of going, then I'm, I'm I'm done. Wow. Like so, you know, and at that level, uh, the head coach has the contract and, and the assistant coaches, uh, you know, you, you kind of, you know, you have your, your year to year contract, but you know, there's nothing long-term or binding. And, and so, you know, we, we were at a crossroads and, and, you know, uh, I, I bear no ill will to Scott. Uh, he, he, Gosh, I mean, he went from there to the, from Eastern Kentucky to the Pistons. Uh, you know, Scott's now the general manager uh, for the Knicks. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I I, I get it, uh, but but that's kind of the 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 ugly part of the uh, of, of the profession is it's tough. Um, you know, with coaches jumping and going, and you know, sometimes. You got an assistant coach that ends up, 
he's looking hard for a job. I mean, and, and it happens every year. But I think for me, that was, um, you know, I had a couple opportunities and, and um, you know, my, my son was now uh, four. My daughter was two. And it's like, you know what? I, I missed a lot of things in their life, their early life, because I was gone, and so it was. It was time to be a dad, and and uh, so. I, and again, you know, at, at the end of the two years at Eastern Kentucky, I'm, I'm looking for a job. I interviewed a couple of places, and, and Scott Troubles was an assistant superintendent there in, in Worthington. And I hired Scott to be my seventh grade coach at Edgewood. <laughs> and Scott called and said, hey, we need a math teacher and a basketball coach. And I hadn't been in the classroom. I hadn't taught for 12 years. Uh, you know, I had to renew my, my, my teaching certificate. I had to, you know, in, in my interview, um, I, I still remember the, the principal uh, asked me, uh, she's like, well, what makes you think that, that you still can teach math? I said, I said, A squared plus B squared is still C squared and, and X plus Y is still Z. I said, now the technology piece, I'm going to have to, to, you know, get up to snuff, but, um, the, the, the math part, the math part doesn't change. And, and she chuckled. She's like, I don't know if you could have given a more simple or clear answer. <laughs> but, and, and now, you know, getting ready to start my 21st year here. Um, unbelievable memories. And, and again, I, I'm so fortunate to, you know, the people, and the, the administration of, of the, the school, uh, you know, my, my son got a chance you know, I got a chance to coach my son. Um, you know, my, my daughter played middle school basketball. And she was also, also a gymnast. But in high school, gymnastics and basketball are, are at the, the, the same time. And uh, she's like, Daddy, is it, are you going to be mad at me if I do gymnastics instead of basketball? <laughs> if you do basketball, I may never get to see you play because we play on the same night. I said, if if you do gymnastics, I'll get a chance to see you. So you make the choice that you want to make, and then so you know we we've like I said we we've been very fortunate here. Um, you know, Kilbourne is is the kind of place that you know we're we're a Division One school, but the the community reminds me of of the small towns that they, I mean the the support of the people um, the 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 close knit the the work ethic of our kids uh, you know it, it it just it reminds me of the full recoveries and the Adas and the Paul things and the you know all those places that that I've coached all along so uh, th this is because 
come home, but you know, I, I can't believe it's been 21 years. It's, it's gone very, very quickly. Well, I, I can tell you, I, I remember when you got back and I found out you were at Kilburn. I think it was your second year when I found that out. And, and the fact that that's 20 years ago is just mind boggling to me. But what I'm curious about, and I spend a few minutes maybe talking about, I'll, I'll give you the Elida JV years and the Allen East varsity years as build up years. Talk about the difference between the basketball coach specifically that took the Edgewood job and the one that took the Kilbourne job? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, um, a whole lot, a whole, a whole lot smarter. Um, and, and still learning, um, you know, every year is, is different. Uh, you know, just the experience, um, you know, the, 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 the coach that took the Edgewood job was like, hey, you know, I could coach at any level. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I can do this. But, but yet, you know, being able to um, deal with the other parts of the game, I guess I would say, um, being able to, to um, stand in front of parents and, and uh, you know, make the tough decisions, you know, for their kids and, and being able to explain that to them. And, and you know, it, it just, you know, and, and when you get a chance to coach your own kid and, and your own kid watches your program as he's growing up, it's like, you know, that that's a hard thing. And, and so you, you, you also realize that, that every kid that you coach is somebody's kid. And, and, you know, they go through the same heart tugs that, that you go through as, as a parent. And, and so it's, uh, you know, like I said, maybe more compassionate, maybe um, a little more thorough, maybe um, a little, you know, I'd say probably even a lot more organized, um, you know, Talk, talk about talk about the uh, the way the game has changed for you. I mean, you talked about having to pick up the technology side of getting back into the classroom. I mean, the, the game has changed a ton in the last 10 or 15 years, 20 at the most, uh, in terms of how the game gets played. And it seems like, Coach, everybody's kind of trying to play the same way now. I mean, it feels like everybody wants to push the ball up the floor, keep the floor spread, and shoot a bunch of threes. And and, you know, I know what analytics are and I don't spend a ton of time with them in my world, but it, it's probably not going to change. So talk about your, your evolution in terms of how you go about teaching the game, because, I, hey, I, I'm not so old. I can't remember the game film from 89, 90, 91, 92 in, in Columbus. There wasn't a ton of floor spacing <laughs> back in those days compared to the way we do it now. Well, and, and I, I think the, the shot clock. Um, you know, obviously, the, the college shot clock and, and the high school not having the shot clock, that, that's, a, you know, been a huge discussion. And, you know, I think the, the thing that, that I've always tried to do is I've always tried to look at, um, you know, the, the kids and, and their abilities and, and what are we what are we able to uh, do to be successful and, and um you know, I, I think you have to, you know, you have, you 
somewhat of a system, but you have to be able to adapt that system into what you have. I mean, uh, you know, I, I realized real quick that, that you know I didn't I didn't have Jimmy Jackson and I could go for a flat. <laughs> I think we could spend a whole entire podcast on the changes in officiating and how that impacts the way you coach things. But 
you said something that just strikes near and dear to my heart. And that is that it may be harder to guard actions and you may have to, to, to worry more about different spacing and things. But the truth of the matter is, if you're going to win late in the year and you're going to win when the tournament starts, you're going to have to you're going to have to play really good half court defense. You're going to have to find a way to get buckets out of your half court offense. and You're going to have to rebound the basketball. That's not going to change. I don't care. What, hap- what happens in the game, that's going to be – tournament success is going to come down to those three things almost every year. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, one, one of – I mean, one of the bigger schools that, that has had – that has shown the ability to do that is, has been Moeller, uh, Cincinnati Moeller in the last few years. I mean, they've, they've got a – they've had a great run, and, and they've done it with, um, you know, a lot of ball reversal on offense. And attacking the basket, and then uh, you know, good old fashioned hard nosed defense. I agree with you a thousand percent on on Moeller. I, I think you know we we could again debate the shot clock in high school basketball. If it doesn't come in to high school basketball, and you don't teach your guys, if you don't make it a priority to teach them to defend for long possessions and how to execute. Uh, with patience and find a good shot, then you're probably hurting your kids when you get into that tournament setting. I think. Coach, I could I could do this for a long, long time, and I told you I'd try not to keep you very much longer than an hour, and we're well over that. I, I always save the bad news for the end of the podcast, so I'll give you some good news and some bad news. I've learned here recently that Marty Riggs is a regular listener to the podcast, so Marty's going to probably be checking this one out um, uh, when we yeah, get it up. I, I, I love Marty. Uh, Marty and I have stayed in, in contact over the years, and, and uh, you know, his his I feel bad for Marty. His summertime job kind of taking a beating right now. <laughs> yeah. he, he has that section behind home plate at Clipper Stadium, and, and he always uh, saves me a couple seats when, when I tell him, hey, you know, I'm coming down. And, and, you know, so I get a chance to see him every year. And, and you know, he always, he always comes up at least for, for one game, sometimes two. And, and I said, Coach, you got you to gotta give me a scouting report. And, Tell me what I need to do better, and so uh, I was blessed to coach Marty's son for uh, his sophomore, junior, and senior year at Ada. And Marty was a terrific mentor to me. And what you just said about him—he he comes back to Ada once a year now and watches my son play. And and uh, he usually is pretty quiet about it. He sneaks in kind of under the radar. And um, but just one of the truly good guys in the game. So I know he'll appreciate the fact that we got to put this podcast together and. And the bad news is at the end of every podcast, people find out that the only rule I have for the podcast is the guests have to send the host a T-shirt for their program. So, <laughs> hey, text, text me that, that address and uh, yeah, I, I got plenty of those. But. Save me a large and I'll look for a Kil- Kilborn basketball T-shirt in the very near future. Awesome. Listen, I hope things get yeah. back to semi-normal for you and you can get back in the gym with your guys real soon. We've actually been allowed to, to start a little bit on a limited basis, and, and uh, um, I don't know who's happier, me or the kids or my <laughs> wife. Uh, 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 no, we, 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 this is our second week. We were able to start uh, last Monday. Uh, we, we were able to put kids in, in pods of eight and um, obviously keep the, the spacing uh and, and I wear a mask, which ooh, coaching in a mask—that's that's you know. Yeah, that can't be easy. What it is, but 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 um, so I, I the coaches all you know 
own ball. When we're done with one pod, we, we disinfect all the balls and, and the custodians come in the gym. You know, we have an hour segment of time. Uh, and then in between pods, we have a half hour where the custodian comes in the gym and, and you know, fogs in the gym and we let it sit and clean the balls and, and then the next pod comes in for their hour. And, and you know, it's just, you know, kids need structure and, and it's been able to provide a little more structure and, and they're back in the gym now and they're excited about it and, and you know obviously uh, that's the thing that, that keeps me going I you know I love being in the gym with kids I, I love you know pushing kids a little beyond where, where they they think they could go and, and you know a little bit outside that comfort zone because we all need pushed out there and I think that's one thing that, that this whole thing has done for, for everybody in America. You know, we, we, we gotta be better. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I, I think one of the things that, that I have noticed, you know, you're in the grocery store, people are, people are kinder to each other. And, and I think that's something that, you know, we, we gotta continue to, to do and, and you know, respect, and kindness, I think, goes a long, long way. And, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll all come out of this a whole lot better. Well, we, there's certainly never going to be an excess of those things. So I'll echo your sentiment. We need more of it. And I, hopefully this will help create some of that. But, Coach, I just want to tell you, as you get ready to start year 43, that I said to you before we started recording, our game's losing too many good guys. So the longer that guys like you can stay at it and do what you're doing, I'm all for it. The better off we are. Uh, I'm going to make it a point to get get down to Kilbourne this coming season and make sure I see your team either practice or play or both. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll do another podcast again down the line. Yeah, John, you're welcome anytime. And, and you know, this, this you know, I've, I've enjoyed this. And, and like I said, it's like it's it's a it's the greatest game. And, and we get a share of kids and, and uh, you know, it, it's 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 been a fun thing. I appreciate it much, Coach. Thanks. God bless. Take care. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening again today. If you would like to listen to previous or future episodes of the Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook podcast, you can listen on Spotify or Google Podcasts as well as several other podcast platforms. Please review, rate, and subscribe. And if you would like to support the podcast financially, you can do so at anchor.fm backslash john-cook, that's J-O-N-C-O-O-K-0, anchor.fm backslash john-cook0. Thanks again. Hope to talk hoops with you again real soon.